Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your weekly source for questions and answers around equity in yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us each week for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. Welcome to episode 23. I'm your host, Amber Carnes. In this episode, I sit down with Corinne Carlson, yoga teacher, community advocate, and founder of Return Yoga. Through Return Yoga's teacher training program and community outreach, Corinne and other local teachers work in domestic violence shelters, jails, youth crisis centers, mental health contexts, and substance abuse treatment centers. We jump into a conversation about the ways that white folks do harm when they rush to diversify their studios without actually understanding or investigating the problem. Karen shares quite candidly about her experience of charity versus solidarity and the ways it continues to cause harm in under-resourced communities. This conversation invites us all to consider how we build truly authentic communities, sustainable movements for change, and work in solidarity with communities outside our own. Here we go. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Karen. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited for you to be here. I feel like we could talk for um, many thousands of hours about yep, I think <laughs> yoga and equity and everything else, but maybe we'll just talk for a little while today. Um, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to folks who are listening and let them know who you are, uh, where you are in the world, what your, what your life and your work is like these days. Uh, let folks know a little bit about you. Sure. Um, my name is Karen Carlson. I am a yoga teacher. I'm based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I've been in Minneapolis for the last four years. Most of my teaching is online of some sort and has been for the last about four years. Prior to that, I ran a studio. Um, I've been teaching for about 12 years, and the entire time I've been teaching, there has been an element of yoga as service and yoga not in yoga studios, whether that be working in uh, domestic violence shelters or church basements or just community centers. There's always been that aspect to what return yoga is. I think that's what I am. That's good. I'd love to start this conversation by talking about um, sort of the topic of community care. And uh, you live in Minneapolis, I know, and um, we're very, of course, present during uh, the murder of George Floyd and the, the aftermath of that, which was particularly, I'd say, I don't know, intense in Minneapolis, uh, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm just wondering if you would share a little bit about your experience surrounding that, sort of how you saw the yoga community show up or not show up during the, I think, rise in, we'll say, interest or engagement or awareness around Black Lives Matter and social justice and all of that. So I know that's an open-ended question, but let's talk about that a little. It is. And it's such a nuanced and and complicated and multifaceted topic in so many ways Mm -hmm. in that there, there was this event that happened in May of this year. And all of a sudden, the entire world was talking about George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, But of course, that didn't happen just all of the sudden, um, you know, in 2016, we had another one with Philando Castile, right? And that is when uh, Black Visions Collective and Reclaim the Block actually started. Mm-hmm. So the, the issue of police brutality has been an issue in Minneapolis for a very, very long time. Um, 
So absolutely, there was a there was a moment mm-hmm. that happened this summer and unfolded, and it happened across industries, but it happened in the yoga community here in Minneapolis as well. That was, for the most part, a bunch of white people being suddenly aware of a reality that had always mm-hmm. been there, right? And I'm not saying anything new. This is just kind of the way that it is, and I know that. Um, so, you know, there were protests. There were a number of... Um, Sometimes studios would want to facilitate or help, whether that be financially or just with some bodies on the ground at those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. But what quickly kind of came to the fore is that these commercialized yoga studio spaces that are mostly run and managed by white people was that they didn't know what they were doing. Um, For example, at one of the Black Lives Matter hosted events, a white yoga teacher wanted to host a yoga class because we all know that yoga is quote unquote Mm -hmm. healing. And she posted this on Facebook and quickly a number of people said, you you need to not do that. That's not appropriate. (laughs) Have a seat. That is not. And she pushed back and she insisted on doing it. And she did eventually do it, even though many people offered her lots of suggestions about how she could help in right. some other way or could but she she insisted on doing it now that was one of the most egregious things but there were a number of um efforts put forth by the yoga community that just kind of were brazenly insulting and and showing how little anti-racist work a number of those mm-hmm. people had done themselves um yeah, I'm not sure. I could I could speak a little bit more. There there was there was a a call to action and a new organization formed called uh, Minnesota Yoga Coalition that wanted to acknowledge the lack of mm-hmm. diversity in Minnesota yoga and what are we going to do about that? And very and there was a huge response. There were like 300 people on that first Zoom call. Um But there was, again, kind of this, well, what are we going to do that ended up kind of not becoming anything other than a like, well, we could hire some actors and models so that we could take pictures to put on all our merchandise. To quote unquote diversify yoga. To quote unquote diversify yoga. Um, But, and then there was a move to, well, we could offer free yoga classes in underserved communities Mm -hmm. of need in North Minneapolis, which is a historically black neighborhood where I know there are nine teachers of color doing their thing for their people. And there was a complete lack of understanding that they were even there. Um, But instead like let's do charity and then feel better. Let's talk about why, why is that a problem? What would have been a better way to go about that? Like diversifying yoga we know is not like you put a black person on a picture on your website and you're done, you know? Right, right. Who Who isn't even a yogi? They literally wanted to hire. Yeah, like stock photography can be purchased by anyone and means nothing. So like what, what is a different way to go about that? And like, 
Well, there's a huge difference between charity, which tends to like throw a little bit of money at the pr- at the problem without actually investigating the problem. Then you feel yeah. better yourself. It keeps you comfortable. That is a different thing than solidarity, which actually means you're willing to put a little bit of your resources, your platform, your privilege on the line and often means that you are going to be following direction rather than leading. That's right. Yeah. And it just... That, that difference between where can I do something charitable and how can I stand in solidarity with people who are already doing the work, who have been doing the work for years, they know what needs to be done. They've been telling us what needs to be done. So rather than coming in with a like with so much urgency and like, we need to change and I'm going to do it now and this is what I'm going to yeah. do on Saturday. Instead, why don't you investigate and figure out where are the people who are already doing the work? Because they're there. But that has been part of this, this revelation, I feel like, in Minnesota yoga is that people weren't even aware. I literally heard people on that call up say, I don't know yep. any teachers. Yep. Of I mean, I hear that constantly. Like when, you know, people ask for advice, how can I diversify my studio? Hire black teachers. I don't know any black. Te- I don't yep. think there are any black yep. teachers. And I'm exactly. like, Right. And then the question is not that instead of realizing that's a problem to say that you personally do not know any teachers of color, well, then you have some homework to do, don't you? Like, why do, you need to get out there and make some relationships. But it's not about I'm going to make relationships. It's how do I hire them slash sell them my yeah. yoga? It's still about the business and I need to make some money off of this or I need to there's a misunderstanding of the change yeah. that needs to happen. And I think too, oh, sorry, go ahead. Often, I was going to say, I also things. just, you know, what's really obvious to me in this is sort of the conditioning that we as white folks have from white supremacy, which tells us that like, we're going to be the ones yes. in charge. We are needed to step in and do something. And we are the ones that will come up with the ideas yeah. and the solutions. And so like when actually when we're talking about solving problems for communities that are marginalized or underrepresented, trust and believe those communities have already been solving all their own problems, you know, or addressing, if not solving, right? right? Because like they live under these structures too. We just like the lived experience of white folks is often that we are centered, right? In the consideration. Yes in the industry or consideration or whatever, that um, we also tend to center ourselves when it comes to this type of stuff, this like equity work or social justice work, where it becomes charity, like you said, throwing some money at a problem or doing some, you know, doing an art project to address inequity or like whatever, you know, whatever the thing is that the yoga teacher has decided they need to do to help this community rather than like actually taking a seat and listening and trying to understand or, you know, being an inquiry with the places that we are not, that we haven't like done the work to understand the lived experience of other people. Like it's not always about what is the next action that you can take. Sometimes like you just might need to sit with how this is in your nervous system. You might just need to like feel the discomfort Mm -hmm. that someone is Mm -hmm. telling you a lived experience that you cannot relate to, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel that that being able to just sit and to just feel and ultimately mm-hmm. it is to grieve 
to be able to sit and grieve and sit with those feelings is, again, something that we as white folks have not been taught how to do. So we're learning and people are learning. And that's a good thing. Um, But when it comes to, you know, Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and was justice served, that's still something that is ongoing. You know, Derek Chauvin was released on bail and was able to go to Florida for his quote unquote own safety. Um, Meanwhile, we have a number of adjacent social issues that have been brought to the fore, including homelessness and the disparity of who is made to be houseless. Mm-hmm. I should say houseless, not homeless. Um, but there, and, and schools and like who has lost yeah. their job because of pandemic, like all of these things are very much still totally unsolved and totally unresolved. But a little bit of the white rage has dissipated, not a little, a lot mm-hmm. of the white rage has dissipated. Um, so those communities that were already working on these problems five years ago or 25 yeah. years ago, they're still working. But the, the yoga studios have kind of shifted to how are we going right. to survive as yoga studios once this pandemic is done if in a year or whatever. Like that has yeah. become the so conversation. So I wonder, now. you know, what are some thoughts that you have about, it sounds like in addition to, you know, white folks kind of doing their own work and, you know, we probably need to listen more than we talk and all of those kind of things. Um This sounds like what we're talking about is this shift from focusing on, you know, the structures and the business and the, you know, this, what was before and how we can get as close to that as possible or whatever is, you know, occupying people's minds. Like how Mm -hmm. can instead we focus on community and relationship building? Because I feel like, you know, that is telling to me when a white teacher says to me, oh, I would, or a white studio owner says to me, I would love to hire black teachers, but I just don't know any. Like that says to me, you're not in the community. You have a very closed off community. You don't actually have relationships with lots of different people. So what, maybe if folks are like hearing this and being like, oh, yikes, that's me. What are some things that they can do to start shifting that lens toward community and toward relationship? Um, I think that recognizing that there's two different questions happening. One is like your business and your profession. Like, what are you going to do about that? And I would almost encourage us yep. to kind of set that aside because that's not the priority. Instead, you need to get into those communities that look different than you. You need to find some teachers of color. And I would suggest that there are many different um, communities, right. even within that, of like course, teachers yes. of color does not mean one thing, but have you ever had a South Asian teacher? Have you ever been to a Hindu temple? Mm-hmm. Most yoga teachers will say no, and they'll blatantly say they're uncomfortable doing that. Um, but, but getting into, and another shift to that then is like, well, maybe this isn't about your yoga, your business. So you don't have to walk into that space as a yoga teacher, which would be Mm -hmm. positioning yourself as the expert anyway. So instead of that, maybe you really need to work on making some friends. And I fully acknowledge that friendships take time and you cannot just walk in and be like, hey, be my (laughs) black friend. Um, But I'm, but I'm, But I'm asking people to like really consider that that might be the question. And I think honestly, 
here in Minnesota, one of the questions is like, well, why did it happen in the Midwest? And then there was Kenosha and like, why Minnesota? How could it possibly happen in Minnesota? But I think that whiteness is so entrenched up here in northern Midwest country that it white people can legitimately say to themselves, I don't know anyone. I have a good heart. I don't know any mm -hmm. people of color, but I support them without being able to see all of the structures that have set up their life to be that comfy and cozy. And it's not necessarily that we are Minnesota nice. It's that Minnesota nice mm. is actually pretty violent. And we can look at Minneapolis and policy and the way that the communities and, and neighborhoods have developed and see that a freeway was put through the biggest black community yeah, in this Minneapolis is, this happened 30 years in ago. lots of places, by the and, way, Richmond, Virginia like, is another city that happened to. So like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so just that kind of, um, ignorance might feel yeah. like a harsh word, but it's an appropriate word. And if we're yogis, we understand that mm. avidya is the cause of suffering. And if we cannot see our own avidya and work toward our own discretion and starting to see differently and doing the tapas maybe of like getting outside of what you thought you knew to actually see the truth, maybe, maybe yoga is making mm -hmm. strides toward that just because we've seen that like we don't know and we don't understand. And now is the, the maybe the season of listening and learning and that instead of what am I going to do? What is my business yeah, going to look and like on the I other end of the pandemic? Asking the question, you know, how can I be of service is a, a useful orientation as long as we are willing to mm -hmm. pause and like really listen to the answer and do what the answer says, right? Because yeah. the way we might have been trained to be yeah. of service would be to show up and offer a free yoga class and to the communities of need or whatever that teacher said that she wanted to do, right? But yeah. that actually that's not the best way that we can yeah. be of service. And sometimes we might have to hear that the best way we could be of service might be, you know, cleaning a building or doing some boring uh, admin yeah. or technical work or, you know, feeding someone that needs Absolutely. it or giving money directly to someone who maybe doesn't even look like someone we'd approve giving money to, right? Like it can look so many different ways, but I think Absolutely. we have to be willing to be humble and listen to the answer and believe the lived experiences of the people that we're, you know, trying to quote unquote help. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and starting to recognize that so many of the intervention kind of responses, or even the, the charitable 501c3 kind of responses, they're often right. headed by a board of white men. And, and really recognizing that, again, there is a community of people that have been surviving and working underneath these structures for a long time and, and pushing even as allies from the outside or getting involved in smaller community functions, but recognizing that people should, the leaders of those organizations should represent the mm -hmm. people they are quote unquote helping. And if they don't, they're kind of missing the point, if not making yeah. the problem yeah. worse. So, um, I want to shift gears a little bit here. And we've been talking about community, right? 
Um, and I wonder how has, yes. I know community is a huge part of your work and your teaching and your life. And so I'm curious how community has, how did you experience that sort of before versus, I guess, during, I didn't want to say before and after, <laughs> before and during a pandemic, right? For a lot of us that right. had in-person community, things have shifted significantly. And so I'm curious if you can talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have for a very long time, I've, I've believed that yoga is relationship. Yoga is community. And that has been what I've strived to have and find and be, um, and, and to somehow be hosting gatherings or be hosting ongoing relationships with people rather than I am the student or I am the teacher up here on my pedestal right. and I'm going to bestow wisdom on you for an hour and then we won't see each other anymore. And that again, kind of commercial exchange. And so I just always am pushing against that as what yoga is. Um, and I, I identify myself as being part of the Desikachar lineage and Desika Char's big thing was yoga is relationship, mm -hmm. period. That is what defines yoga. Um, and it could be relationship of all sorts of different things. But that has been what has kept me in yoga has been people. What has saved me when I'm getting a little bit off in yoga has been people. So I value that role more than I value yoga mm -hmm. classes, yoga asana, yoga studios. Um I tried to run a yoga studio as a nonprofit that I wanted to be like a community safe space. And it kind of sort of worked, but it also kind of sort of didn't. Um, and as many other studio owners have said and will keep saying, that place ate me alive. So eventually le letting that go was a good thing for me and for my community. Um, in that I think we learned... Um, that our time together doesn't have to look like a yoga class with the incense and like all the props and the distraction-free area. So we started um, gathering. I would rent space by the hour and we would have yoga club and I would bring donuts and different people would take turns bringing coffee and we would just kind of chat slash practice for a couple hours on Sunday mornings. And that was kind of where I was living my live yoga teaching right before the pandemic started and dropped that, of course. But I was also teaching online and mostly, again, just kind of hosting kind of mentoring groups um, that were intended to be more mm -hmm. long-term than a 200-hour teacher training and intended to be a little bit more, how are you doing? And that sometimes that is, how are you doing as a yoga student? How are you doing as a yoga teacher? How's your, how's your website going or your teaching? And what do we want to talk about in that? But often it would just be processing time and being together time. And so I feel very fortunate in that my community had that established before pandemic struck. We were already online. We were meeting several times a week. Um, I feel like it had it saved me a lot of grief and sorrow and because you're already there in the last six months. Um, yeah, because we were already there, 
and we'd kind of already figured out that it feels different because we're not in the same room, but you can still actually get yeah. that little hormone high of being together and being vulnerable. Um, it still works. It is yes. different, yes. but we can so, do So um, speaking of different, <laughs> I want to talk to you about teaching teacher trainings online because I know that you've been doing that for a while. We, you know, you and I could probably have a whole podcast conversation mm -hmm. about why the sort of studio model of teacher trainings is not work. <laughs> it's not working for really any of us. Um, and yep. it's not really working in the, you know, plenty of studios make money off of trainings, but like we shouldn't all be having to run trainings all the time to sustain ourselves as studios, right? Like the, the whole model sucks. And I feel like any teacher you yep. feel like you can speak honestly with will... Yep will echo that. Um, and we've already talked about like the limitations of, you know, you go through a training and then you're kind of cut off from this community that you were in very intense, you know, relationship with for a certain amount of time. Like there's so many limitations of this 200 hour model. And so I think the other thing, the other dynamic mm -hmm. around this conversation is that since the pandemic, online teaching has become so much, um, a bigger part of all of our lives or even just interacting online, I would say online teaching and learning. Yeah. Um, and, and we, you know, I know I personally, uh, accessible yoga as an organization, the accessible yoga training school that Jeevana and I co-founded, like we've all been receiving so much feedback that everything having moved online in 2020 has just blown the doors open in terms of accessibility that, you know, people who couldn't afford to take trainings now have, yeah. you know, their scholarships and their no travel. And that's been amazing. There are people who never wanted to set foot inside these spaces because they are, there are so many barriers, right? Yes, From exactly. our focus as an industry on aesthetics and physical prowess to all the violence that queer and trans and black and fat and disabled people face in these like basically fitness spaces, which most yoga studios are, right? Like there's so many reasons why people have gravitated to this online teaching. And so I think online teaching is here to stay. Hmm. And so like with all this in mind, yeah. um, you know, I'm wondering, I know that you're leading, uh, well, I was going to say a 200 hour training, but it's actually called the anti 200 hour. You're leading a teacher training online now for people who aren't currently yoga teachers, want to become teachers, whatever we're going to call that. We call it the 200 model for <laughs> shorthand. But you're leading one of mm -hmm. those online right now. And so I'm curious about the ways that you've intentionally made that training different. Like how is the anti-200 hour different? And like what were some of the, the things that you went into thinking about when you designed this experience? Cool. I like the way that you just framed that. Because I, again, I actually ran my first one online a year ago. So it was, it had no relation to the pandemic happening and all of a sudden everybody rushing to figure out Zoom. It was an actual choice that I made to, I'm going to offer this online instead of trying to have it be an in-person thing. And it actually came as a request from community because I had gotten so fed up with that 200 hour model in person that I said, I'm not going to do this anymore and kind of made a public statement of this. I'm not, I'm done. I'm not going to do that 200 hour model anymore, but I do have a community of folks that are kind of a, around the world. And a number of them said that they would love to spend 200 hours with me. 
and maybe not go through that 200-hour curriculum where you learn the sun salutations and the five benefits of warrior two, but actually have 200 hours of conversation with as, as a group. And I took them up on that. So the first cohort that went around was last year was a number of people that have already been in community with me, many of them for like seven years. But the opportunity to have people who were in Oman and in England and in Switzerland and in Toronto, Canada and in California. And like we were able to have this amazing cohort of folks get together a couple times a week mm. and get into the big questions. And it was gorgeous. Um, so now we're just rolling with it. But it was, it came out of request from community and it came out of a very, um, conscientious decision of I'm going to do it different. I'm going to take up the questions that we all have as yoga teachers that we thought would be answered in training. And they might have gotten a nice little honorable mention, but they were not actually discussed. And then we were left alone with those questions and we're kind of struggling with them. And I mean the questions like accessibility and racism and cultural appropriation and mm -hmm. spirituality and exercise and fitness and diet culture and like all of those things that we continue to struggle with. Because I don't think you can answer most of those questions in 200 hours. Um, but we took them like we started there mm -hmm. rather than sun salutations. Like who cares? I don't care. <laughs> I don't teach sun salutations anymore because I just don't think that they work. Um, so it it started yeah. as a conscientious decision rather than a reaction, unless it was a reaction to just like that model I'm done with. Um, so we do kind of start with this idea of community and uh, that personal transformation is tends to happen in relationship. Like, Education knows that. Therapy knows that. We know that's how trauma happens. So there's a piece to what happens to us as yogis that I think is actually happening interdependently. And so I kind of start from the premise that getting together as a cohort to go through the questions is going to change you. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. You're going to be humbled in some ways, but it is of infinite personal use and of community change. So the first couple of weeks we talk about like group dynamics and feminist pedagogy and like whose voice is not in this room right now. And even though I might be the quote unquote expert or facilitator of this conversation because I have thousands of hours of yoga training, somebody else's lived experience as a black queer femme, for example, mm -hmm. might actually have more pertinence to this conversation. So we just kind of talk about pedagogy and we talk well, like we together make group norms and we agree to practice anti-racism and to try to have our language be inclusive. And, and then we just go from there. And another brilliant thing about being online <laughs> is that I can have people like you come on because it's on Zoom. I could not pay you to fly here to Minneapolis and put you right. up in a hotel and then pay you for your time on top of that. I just couldn't financially do it. And then it's right. limited. You know, we wouldn't have all the students from around the world. But because it's on Zoom, 
I can bring in other teachers who are better at anatomy than I am, who are better and more like mm-hmm. I have Thajal and Jessel come on and talk about cultural appropriation. So like I'm able to bring into the experience so much diversity and expertise yeah, that's so that true. I don't think is so, offered in an um, in-person way. Like continuing on this question of uh, how we're thinking about and designing, you know, training. And I love that you, you know, I just maybe will point out like you start with community. Like you said, the first few sessions, you're talking about the group dynamics. You're talking about who's in the room and who's not. You're talking about voice, which I have to say, mm-hmm. like, you know, as we think about like, how do we build these communities, community spaces that are equitable, especially as people that sit in a place of privilege, like you and I are both white women, you know? So like when we're thinking about this, I think that also like the attention and the, um, the care being put toward that is also a signal to the underrepresented marginalized folks in the group. Like that is a trust builder too. Do you know what I mean? And I think like, Making that the 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 way you mm-hmm, start the mm-hmm, training, I, I think it's such an afterthought sometimes about the sort of like uh, the curriculum comes first, and then sort of like there's classroom management techniques or like whatever, right? And right, so right. I I just want to highlight and point that out. Um, and I, I have sort of a, a different question, but I think it hits on some of these same themes, which is that. I know so many people, including myself, including you, I think, who came to teacher training not because we wanted to teach. We actually never planned to teach. We just wanted to like deepen our personal practice or learn the rest of the yoga or however Mm -hmm. we phrase it, right? I've heard that from so many people um, that they don't want to be teachers. They just actually want to study the practice of yoga in a more meaningful, deep way. But that's like the only place that exists, right? And so I wonder, like, as we, you know, the model for in-person yoga studio classes, who knows when or if that's coming back in a major way in America? Like, even the big chains have shuttered their doors or they're filing for bankruptcy. Like, online teaching is here to stay. This, like, studio model that we've built these teacher trainings around is probably going away or is going to be much less influential than it once was. So, like, with all that in mind, what is the future of teacher trainings? Like, are they teacher trainings? How can we actually support our students to do what they say they want to do in teacher training, which is, like, deepen their personal practice or whatever, or learn, you know, um, learn about anatomy, learn about uh, how race intersects with wellness, like, whatever the thing is, like, in ways that aren't, like, a professional certification program. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's so hard to try to predict what is going to happen to the studio and the 200 hour model. Um, and I absolutely agree that it's going to look different in a year's time. And I personally tend to feel like that's a good thing. Um, but I also, I don't think that those studios, especially the, um, the very boutique ones or the the bigger chain ones. I don't think they're going to go. I think that that will be there. I think that there is a cultural demand sure. for that kind of boutique fitness yoga that it's not going to go away. Um, 
our culture is it 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 assumes it has a right to that at this point. So it will come back and it might just be in the gyms or whatever, but it's not going to go away. But I think that um, many teachers and professionals are using this as an opportunity to ask that very question. Like what, what is a value is yoga Alliance and that little stamp is Mm -hmm. that, of value. And, you know, most of us were already saying no. <laughs> so, so this is, I've, I've heard many rumors and speculations that maybe this will be the, the end of that model or yoga Alliance. Um, and I don't know, I don't know. I definitely think that every teacher training at this point is going to have some online component, whether that is a way for people to um, catch up on hours or like get different segments of the training in. I don't know. Um, And to be honest, I have no love of the 200-hour program. So often when people are kind of asking, um, expressing interest in going to one, I ask them what they're looking for. Because often it is that they have no desire to be a teacher. They know that teachers don't make any money. They're not looking for a career change. They're just something is happening in them and they want to talk about it. They just want to talk about it. Um, and, and I think that there are and are going to be increasing because of what we're learning how to do now. There are other spaces and places and ways that that can happen. Um, because everybody's online now, you can study yeah, with like the amazing. best anatomy people <laughs> yeah. from your bedroom for, for like a fraction of the cost. And I'm starting to see all of this um, collaborative kind of work, again, with some voices that I would never have the means or the time to go and study with them each individually. And now they're offering these panel discussions all the time. So many that like I can't do them all. Um, So I think that there are we're starting to see some pushback against the, the standardized model. And I think that that's good. I think it's exciting. Um, for sure, for sure. I, no I know that, that um, for the future, of you know, you've hour. done a beautiful job of holding these spaces that are, well, you said like people have something happening inside of them and they need to talk about it, right? This this point about like that growth and transformation happens best in community. Yep. And I mean, yep. I think that is the practice of yoga, right? It's a personal practice that we do in community and in relationship with one another. And so, yes. you know, what are some of the ways yes. that you've, um, brought in that community, you know, that, well, I'll just say this, the one criticism that I hear from a lot of people around online teaching is that like, it's not as good as in person, like, and that's sort of vague, like, you know, we lose all these things, you know, like I realize, and I I feel this too, like when we're in the room with each other, our nervous systems can affect one another. And I can see who laughs at my jokes and who doesn't, you know, like those kind of things. Yeah. They're a little bit difficult online, but Can you talk about some of the ways that you're still able to maintain this sort of like community um, based, well, what you've just described, like what are some of those tangible ways that shows up or how have you seen that playing out in your, in your online spaces? Yeah, I, I, I agree that there is something lost 
um, there's something that happens in a room when you are with other bodies and you can just kind of pick up on body language and you can have those conversations that are happening like at lunch. They're not part of the lecture. They're not part of the curriculum, but you get to know where somebody's from and you hear about their kids and, and a lot. So a lot of those kind of impromptu and informal and not part of the curricula interactions, um, I think that there, that, that is a loss and they will come back post pandemic, but, but it raises that question. Um, for me, it has been getting better and better at figuring out how to mm. Mm, do lots of breakout spaces so that they are speaking in small groups and, you know, our attention span is different when you're looking at a screen. So just encouraging people to like, do whatever you need to do to be comfortable. If that means that you need to be in your pajamas and eating and laying on the floor, I'm fine with that. That doesn't tell me you're not engaged, but trying to provide lots of opportunities for them to speak to each other rather than just listening to, again, like teacher on a pedestal, bestowing their wisdom, like pushing against that and being like, what it really, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? What is your experience with this? How would you address this question? Um, and trying to, to really see it as a co-created yeah. space, not something I am in charge of. Um, another aspect of it too, is that not only do we meet as a group, Hmm. But I mentor each of them one-on-one so that they're kind of getting both of those experiences throughout the course of a year. I also feel that the fact that it's a year, um, it does something (laughs) just because if you can kind of commit to being there once a week, and of course we have some weeks that are off, but you know, inevitably somebody is going to get pregnant and somebody is going to lose a job and somebody is going to get a diagnosis or like things are good. Life is going to happen, but life happens while you are in this cohort. And that means that you kind of get to practice the real yoga and even if, if yes. you're not the one who got pregnant, like the group changes as we kind of work through those things together. And you cannot do that in a month. You cannot have that kind of bonding in a month. Um, so on the one hand, I try to keep it really small, especially right now because yep. everybody's nervous systems are frazzled. So I keep being like, no homework, just show up. No homework, just show up because nobody can handle it. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and emphasizing that it is in the showing up that something happens. And if you can show up and even though you have a headache, if you can show up, even though you did just get news, you're showing up for the other people, which is ultimately kind of showing up for yourself. And then that's what you end up having learned is how to show up for yourself and maybe even ask for help and ask for a relationship. You have, no, Um, you (laughs) do. It's so good. I don't know if I've answered, but like yes. working one on one, and I just want to like and, reiterate and, something and that you just said. Centering the group rather like, than the curriculum uh, is that actually by showing up and participating in community in a meaningful way, like you are, and like showing up and supporting people by just your presence of being there and being part of like this thing teaches you how to show up for yourself in the same way, which, you know, I think is the more difficult task sometimes, right? Because of our conditioning from capitalism and all of those things that, you know, have us Absolutely. ignoring 
the fact that we're human beings with needs, but that like actually focusing, turning the lens outside yourself and focusing on community care teaches you self-care. Like, like that practice, you know, I think that there's this, you know, uh, analogy that I give sometimes when we're talking about like self-acceptance or building sort of self-trust or getting rid of self-doubt or whatever that's compared to like, you know, muscle memory that you got to like do things a long time until like it's in your nervous system, then it doesn't feel weird or painful or yes. like you're yep. a phony yep. anymore yep. or whatever, yep. you know, like you're a beginner and then you get some practice. And I feel like that's, you've like said that so beautifully here that like the practice you get of being in that type of community relationship, like so much informs like the way you treat yourself. And so, yeah, thanks for letting me just sort of like ramble for a second because I was like, oh, that's so true. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And and really, I do feel like that is the experience that we get in yoga. That's what we were getting in a studio in an hour-long class. Yeah. We, it's hard to articulate that that's what happened, but often that is kind of what happened. So if we can, yeah, I, I often feel like I'm <laughs> ranting against the entire yoga industry because I'm just like, it's not about classes. It's certainly not about group classes. And it's so, it, yes, asana and, be, and embodiment and body politics and all yeah. of those things, but not as forms. Like that's not the thing. The thing is when you just kind of show up in that community or that relationship, mm. eventually what comes back to you is self-understanding. And eventually what comes back is some self-compassion. And then healing can happen. I really believe that healing has to happen interpersonally. Mm. Yeah, wow, well said. Again, because most uh, harm has I happened think we're gonna interpersonally. Leave it there. <laughs> So I am so grateful that we got a chance to talk today. Okay. I think this is Perfect. a brilliant conversation and I can't I can't wait to hear, you know, folks feedback and, and additional thoughts around these topics. I uh, was wondering at the close here, will you let folks know where they can find you if you have any things that are going on that you want to tell the community about any of that uh, shamelessly self-promote yourself, please. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion, sure. Uh, my website is returnyoga.org, and you can certainly find things that are going on there. Um, I don't have any, you know, we're, I'm also doing a really slow cohort read of the Gita, but we're halfway through it. Next summer, oh I'll start goodness. a like two-year long read of the Yoga Sutras book one, but like two years two years. And then next fall, I will do another cohort of the anti 200 hour. But I do, I, the website is a place to get on my mailing list, to get on my social, to just kind of know what's going on. I do teach two live classes a week. Um, I have a whole bunch of recordings that are up. Yeah, but that so there sounds are ways so rich. To get I'm kind of like, community without that like two year sure investment. I keel my eyes um, peeled for that one. All right, thank you so much uh, yeah, for you all your time yes. today and your wonderful um, yeah. conversation here. We're so grateful to have had you. Yeah, thank you. I am grateful to be here. I'm grateful for what you guys are doing. I love the new Thanks platform. Thanks so much. We'll I, talk soon. I can't wait to see where it's going to go in a couple of years. Yeah. All right. Ciao. 
Thank you for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the new cohort of Jeevana Heyman's Accessible Yoga Training Online is now forming. The next section of this flagship training will run January 22nd through February 5th. And the Accessible Yoga Training is a 30-hour continuing education program that will teach you a new way of thinking about yoga postures and practices that honors the essence of yoga, but allows you to design multi level classes where students of different abilities, ages, shapes, sizes, and experience levels can all practice together with ease. You'll get support from experts around topics like trauma-informed teaching, working with larger bodies, yoga for seniors, yoga marketing, and much more with our team of accessible yoga trainers. And since we're learning at home now, there's no travel expenses, everything's recorded with captions, and you can review materials and work at your own pace. So if this work is calling to you, we hope you'll go to AccessibleYogaTraining.com and sign up for the waitlist. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sending out information about the course and teachings from Jivana that will help you make your classes and learning spaces more accessible, whether you're teaching online, in person, or don't know what the heck is happening next. <laughs> so spend the beginning of 2021 developing your skills as a teacher who can make their classes accessible for all and have every student leaving your class feeling affirmed and successful. Join the waitlist now at AccessibleYogaTraining.com. We hope you'll leave us a review wherever you subscribe to your podcasts and also subscribe to this podcast. We love hearing your feedback. It really helps us to make it a little better each week. And we hope you'll give us some input on future guests or topics that you'd like us to cover. Just send us an email through our website, AccessibleYogaTraining.com. We'll see you soon. Thanks.